It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk. Uh, really have an exciting show here ready for you today. We have two spectacular guests lined up. We're going to be talking a little more on deep dive into to HR and talent and everything that goes around, making sure our talent is really lined up. Uh, we have our most talented people in place, and of course, we are talking to two really talented people themselves. So uh, really focusing pretty well around a talent talk idea there. Um, you know, this show is really designed around my uh, sort of fascination and habit of trying to be around inspiring leaders and at events where we can meet these people and uh, hopefully uh, grow and, and, and learn new things from people. And, you know, instead of me being the only person that would have this conversation with them uh, at the bar or in a corner of a room, we decided to put it on the air and let everyone else listen in, hopefully uh, be a part of the conversation, help us uh, design the questions, um, and really learn something and take back this information to your organizations and into your own life. Uh, we'd love to have you be on Twitter with us, uh, whether it's live and you can get your questions and comments in, or even if it's after the fact, you can still find it on the at people G2 page on Twitter or use that hashtag talent talk. And you can find, uh, the live feed of the show in there and then add your comments after the fact as well. And we've had so many great stories come out of the radio show. Uh, last year in February, I put together uh, my first book, which turned out to be a bestseller, The Power of Company Culture. It's actually going to be coming out in audio uh, later on this month, uh, February of 2019. Uh, but you can find that on Amazon. And again, the book was really inspired around so many of the great guests that we had, their stories, and five years, really, of, of interviews and, and just all the... Uh, sort of the best stuff that you could take back and really use, um, you know, kind of distill down the best books, the best talks, the best, you know, stories that you might be able to use. So hopefully it's of value to you. Um, you know, Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with rare exception. And, um, you know, we've had over 10,000 of you, though, come in and, and download at least one uh you know, podcast, uh, either on iTunes or listen to iHeartRadio every single day. So that's millions of downloads. Just so excited to have such a great audience out there listening and contributing and being part of the conversation. Um, my guests uh, today will include Mary B. Lucas, the Chief Talent Officer at Supplemental Healthcare. Uh, and then we'll take a little commercial break and we'll bring in Cindy Ballard, the Chief Human Resources Officer at ICM Partners. Um, we like to do this uh, from time to time where we kind of get two guests of kind of, you know, similar or you know, complimentary uh, type conversations. So we can really deep dive into that. Um, so let's go ahead and get to my first guest. Uh, Mary, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. 
Why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, you know, what's important for us to know for our conversation today, and, you know, of course, what's important for us to know about supplemental health care and what you're doing over there as their chief talent officer. Well, I, I can't imagine a better match than the two of us talking based on my role as chief talent officer. And I, yes, I'm with Supplemental Healthcare. We're one of the largest staffing, healthcare staffing companies in the nation. We have over 35 years of experience. We focus on staffing nurse and allied um, professionals on travel, contract, per diem, and direct hire basis. So our, really, we are people placing people in assignments to care about people. So it's a, it's a really, it's a fabulous match for me. I spent my entire career in staffing, and um, I'm loving that I'm in a career with Supplemental uh, Healthcare where we are staffing healthcare professionals that care for others. We talk a lot about the fact that we have a culture of caring and that our culture of caring is so contagious. And um, that's, I love I love the whole idea about your the power of company culture in your book. I didn't know much about this until I was recently asked to join you guys on this, and I have just so enjoyed listening to several of the conversations that I've learned a lot just by prepping to be on this call. Well, fantastic. I'm glad that you're able to to listen in and get caught up uh, to what we do. And, you know, for me, it's always a lot of fun because it's very different. The shows can really go in completely different directions based yeah. on if we have someone who's got a talent focus, someone who's got, you know, maybe the CEO, maybe someone who's a writer or a consultant. And they all just kind of go in these different directions. And yet we're all kind of talking about the same thing, which is how do we get the most out of ourselves? How do we get the most out of our people? And get the most out of our, you know, what we're trying to do inside of the companies and um, talent and, and the role that you play is is huge, both in two parts, right? Because you're, you're you're dealing with talent overall, and of course you're you're helping organizations find their best talent, which is I'm sure very rewarding as well. Exactly. So I know your kind of your first line on your LinkedIn profile says, "I believe in hard work, creating a genuine connections, and the power of comeback sauce." Uh, can you talk more about what comeback sauce is? Yes, I actually get asked that a lot. Um, you know, I, I am the chief talent officer for supplemental health care, and I spent my entire career in staffing. So being a staffing company and, and um, you know, people placing people, as I said earlier, I, I got my start right out of college, though. I, I've been like 35 years now been in staffing, and I remember... Um, the first time that I got my first corporate job, I was a college graduate, 22 years old, and I'm sure none of you were ever 22 years old and full of yourself, but I was. And I remember I got the phone call that I was going to be a recruiter, and um, I was so excited about it. And um, I was, you know, here I was. I was sitting, living, came home after college, um, living with my mom and dad, and my dad, who's a butcher by trade in Kansas City, where I'm from a guy with an eighth grade education, and here I'm a first-generation college graduate. And I remember I was so excited and just full of myself, and I said, I got the job. And he looks at me, and he said, you got that job? You're going to go into the people business? And I looked at him, and I can roll my eyes, so disrespectful. And I said, no, Dad, I'm going into the staffing industry, you know, corporate job. And I'll never forget, he just looked at me and he said, get out of your own way, girl. You're going into the people business. Don't don't overcomplicate it. You're going to find people work and companies people. And, you know, he goes, I don't care what you do for a living, but your baker, candlestick maker, we're all in the people business. And if you don't concentrate on making meaningful connections one person at a time, you won't be successful. That's how we're all successful. 
And I and remember that I said, well, okay, how do I do that? And he said, don't forget the comeback sauce. And I, I looked at him and I said, and I, I really was disrespectful at 22 years old. And I'm thinking, comeback sauce? He said, yeah. He said, if you really want to make meaningful connections one person at a time, you always leave people feeling a little bit better off at the end of their interaction with you than they were before they connected with you. And I don't know what that looks like. Every person's different. These poor little comeback sauce think, how do I make sure I connect with them, that they'd want to come back, they'd want to interact with me again? And, you know, I even wrote a book about it. Like you, I'm an author. I, after my dad passed away all these years later, I wrote a book called Lunch, Meet, and Life Lessons, and I intended it just for my family. And um, it, it was all about his little bit of wisdom. It starts chapter one when he said, get out of your own way. You're going into the people business. And, you know, you got to pour the comeback sauce on everybody you connect with. And the last chapter is the story of his last day. And for me, that comeback sauce, I think that really was the start of my listening to him, and he became a career coach for me. You know, I'm now 65,000 books in print later, all these people all over. I'm, again, like you, I'm asked to speak all over the world now. Supplemental Healthcare loves it because it's great PR for them. And I get to keep my dad's legacy alive, and I'm, I'm reminded of the kinds of things that it takes to make meaningful connections. And people always ask me, what's the recipe for comeback sauce, and what do you mean by that? And I think it's three parts, one part recognition, one part connection, and you add a dose of the, unexpe uh, the unexpected. You know, you want to recognize that individual, you want to connect with them, find a common ground, and you want to something at some element of surprise at the end. You know, there's lots of ways to pour the comeback sauce on, and the ingredients are always different because what's important to you isn't important to someone else. But I think the recipe is always the same, one part recognition, one part connection, and you add a dose of the unexpected. So that's the comeback sauce. I really do believe in the power of it because I know how important and impactful it has been for me during my career. And um, and I, it sounds like it's the same for you, Chris. I, it sounds like you, you obviously have found a lot of ways to pour the comeback sauce on the people you connect with, and one of them is this, is this radio show. Yeah, and what I'm loving uh, that I'm hearing is you're you're really talking about a book that's full of stories. I'm sure that people uh, would love to check it out and 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 would be happy they did. But you know, this is a very it, you you found a way to kind of tap into something very personal that has some really connectable stories for people and that they can take back and use in their own lives right away. You know, one of when I started speaking and I was going to a lot of conferences, I noticed a lot of uh, speakers would do a really good job of identifying the problem and get us all really riled up about the problem <laughs> and then walk out the door without ever giving us any solutions or, or even just pointing us in the right direction to any solutions. And what I love about stories is that, you know, you, typically you can find the solutions inside the stories. Um, and maybe your own solution, not the same solution as the person who told the story, but it kind of helps you gu guide you to that that place that you need to be. Um, and it sounds like your dad was that person for you. Exactly. So you've you, you've been in staffing now for for quite a while, and uh, you've had almost every job imaginable. Um, in addition to roles in marketing and training and service delivery and organizational coaching. Maybe we could talk about what it's like for you, you know, to kind of climb that corporate ladder and to kind of got to the place that you've been. And maybe especially inspiring for any of those people that are kind of just starting off, you know, with their companies. Maybe they are that 22-year-old um, who thinks they know it all. And, uh, you know, what does that look like? What advice would you give to people, you know, kind of looking to do that? 
Well, and again, I do get asked that a lot because of where I am in my career to go from a, you know, frontline recruiter to a C-suite, uh, you know, that there have been a lot of roles in between. And yet I think what I would say and the advice I give to those that are just starting out is focus on doing the most extraordinary work you can at the job you're currently given and the rest of it will it'll just all come your way. I mean, I, I think... And, and again, to quote my dad again, he'd always say, get out your blinders and put them on. Workhorses wear blinders for a reason, so they focus on the destination where they're headed. They don't get distracted by looking at what's going on to the right or going on to the left. And, and they get caught up in things that aren't going to make them as productive or focused as they need to be. And so I think by getting out your blinders and putting them on and being the best version of yourself in the role that you're currently in, that's what's going to get you to continue to, you know, grow. And, and you know, it's funny when we talk about the corporate ladder, and I think, you know, uh, there are lots of variations to that. I mean, I think there are lots of things where you do something so well at what you're currently doing that someone taps you on the shoulders and say, oh, that's doing so great. Could you teach this person what you're doing there? And all of a sudden you have more responsibility. It's not you necessarily waving your hand and saying, I'm me next, I'm in turn. You know, it's my turn now. I've been here longer. I've been here. It's about the work you're doing, how successful you are at the work you're doing. And then I think one of the other keys and the huge things is when you get to the position where you're not an individual contributor anymore and you are in a position where you're bringing additional people into the organization, making sure you always hire people that are as good or better than you. I think that for me that has been foundational. I mean, that, that has been the key to my success because it was easy to promote me because there was somebody waiting in the wings who was just as good or maybe better than I was at certain areas. And, and so by growing my team with people that could grow, that helped me continue to move in the organization, move up in the organization. You know, you're really highlighting a pretty important skill about anyone who does want to progress in an organization because often we can be asked to do more and more things and to take more and more on. And, that's a good first step if you want to be considered into new roles. But what I also find is an important step that people forget is that you also have to start letting things go and yeah. allow other people, train other people or let other people who have an interest or talents around some of these things to start taking on some of the other tasks or activities or things that you used to do in the past that maybe aren't as important anymore. And it kind of becomes a natural evolution because you – you know, as you start letting things go and you're taking more things on, you become this other person and the organization can see you that way. Um, but I've seen so many people who want to move along an organization, but they don't let go. Like they keep, they keep everything on and they almost become like this, you know, bloated, obese person uh, full of, act, you know, the things <laughs> that they do inside of an organization. And then they can't, you know, they can't move along. They can't move on because they're stuck, you know, they're stuck in one place. Um, that's a that's a pretty impactful visual too when you think about yeah. that. Yeah, and I, I I remember one one of the best leaders I ever worked with was was always telling me tr trust people a little bit more than they deserve. You know, give them the chance to fail first. You know, don't hold on to it yourself. The hardest move for me, as I as I grew from a single unit manager to a multi unit manager and from you know an individual contributor to uh, you know having to rely on others was was to do exactly what you just described, was to, to allow people to do something that I thought, oh, if I just, it would go faster if I just jumped in. You know, I can get it done faster. I can get it done better. And the, the quicker I learned to allow others to have the opportunity to take on things, the 
I think the quicker I was able to continue to add more responsibility and grow because I did trust people and they, they lived up to it for the most part. You know, when you have a new hire, it's everybody gets an A. It's theirs to keep or theirs to lose based on what you give them and how well they do. Instead of starting with, I hired someone and let's see what kind of grade I give them. Let everybody you work with have an A and let it let them be the ones to keep or lose it. Don't you grade people. Let them go and have the opportunity to shine without you trying to get in the way. You know, I, I think that's so important. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, and it's um, it, 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 it sometimes it's hard for people to, to learn those lessons, you know, um, whether it's mm-hmm. a trust thing, whether it's a power or a control thing. I mean, it's 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 amazing how people can kind of do that in the beginning and then they get stuck in the middle. And it's, you know, I've, I've used that metaphor with people before and jokingly said, you, you know, there's that show, uh, My 600-Pound Life, right? And mm-hmm. I said, do you want to have your 600-pound career, uh, you know, or do you want to have your six-figure career? And... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, be, and yeah. you know, people usually figure that out pretty quickly. But um, yeah. Well, you yeah. don't. You don't get to. You don't get to the C-suite without doing it all yourself. You can't. You yeah. have to figure out at some point in your career that you have to trust others and allow them the opportunity to get things done, and and then you get more done. The more you do, the more you do. I always say that. So if you look back, you know, over your impressive career, would you say that there's a, a defining moment or a few defining moments? And could you talk about that? Oh, gosh, I have so many defining moments. But when when I think about speaking of authors, um, when I think about one of the defining moments, I was very lucky early in my career. Um, I think I might have been 25 years old at the time um, to meet Stephen Covey before he wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he was still teaching and he was getting ready and he was, you know, I think to, to publish the book. And we had a very small meeting. I was with a company called Audio Personnel Services at the time. It's now Deco. And um, we were in a meeting outside of um, Palo Alto, California, and our CEO um, or I guess he was the president of our division at the time. He um, had been reading about him, and, the, and um, so he came to the small group. I think there might have been 12 of us in the room. And we learned about the premise of win-win and the premise of abundance mentality, and he had exercises that we went through. And I learned about the difference between scarcity mentality and abundance mentality. And that was absolutely a defining moment for me because I was always playing win-lose. If I won, then somebody else had to lose. And I'm very competitive. And so it, you just, that's the way I grew up, you know, number nine of ten kids. And if I was going to be the winner, then other, other people lost, right? And to have that transformation, that shift, that light bulb going off, that um, playing win-win means that, you know, you you are in a position where you can win and others can too. And instead of looking at the life through the lens of a scarcity mentality, there's, you know, enough out there for everybody, and that's what abundance mentality is. I, I absolutely think that was a defining moment for me. Um, and like you said, there's so many. I mean, when you can't have a career as, uh, you know, as long as I have and not have a lot of defining moments, I think that for me, though, set the platform for me to do exactly what we just talked about a few minutes ago, to um, realize that others could be successful, and that didn't take away from my success. It just enhanced it if I viewed it correctly. Yeah, and that sounds like a pretty pretty important and impactful uh, moment for you, uh, being not only with, with someone uh, like Stephen Covey at that, that stage, but just the things that it sounds like you learned very early on that... Mm-hmm. 
I think people today still don't even know about or haven't really been exposed to, and they and they really should have. Um, I, I talk a little bit in my book about cognitive biases and, and how important I think those are in understanding how people work and how they tick, and and just being able to present information at the right way at the right time can give you such better results, give you such better outcome to what um, you know to what we might really want to see happen. Um, you can present the same information to the same people at a different time of day or a different context or, or what have you and get completely different reactions. It's not it has nothing to do with the value of your information. Often it has everything to do with the situation and the and how uh, the people are interacting at that moment. Um, and, and you're really kind of getting into that yeah. with the, the different mentalities, right? Right. And reading your audience in terms of we're all hardwired a certain way. And again, a lot of people have a different... Uh, they have different methodologies they use to teach people how to look at the lens that others view the world with. And for me, um, a lot of it has been DISC. You know, I, um, mm-hmm. our, our company uses an extended DISC, and they're an incredible organization and a great partner for us, Supplemental Healthcare. We started working with them last year. And at extended DISC, you have all, all kinds of ways to look at you know, the, the DISC profile itself. And yet I think that was another defining moment for me was learning about the fact that not everybody's a high eye. You know, you have to look at there are people that if you're approaching someone, and for me, high eye means I'm very outgoing. can't tell probably, can you? <laughs> or that <laughs> I love, you know, I love to talk. And, and yet if I'm working or talking with or selling to or connecting with people on my team who are high Ds, I got to have that data. I got to make sure that I am clearly getting to the point. I'm not rambling on. They want to get to the point. They want to, and I know that I have to shift who I am in order to meet them where they are based on their style. It's up to me to make that shift. It's not up to them. And it's the same thing with the people that are, uh, that are, who report to me or who that I work with that are the different styles of S and C. You know, it, it, you just have to look at what, how do they view the world and how do you go where they are instead of expecting them to be where you are? You know, and I, I think that that's, that's a big shift too, especially if you're the I style, you know, it's because right. you want, you know, you expect, I mean, I'm me, everyone likes me, right? No, they don't. <laughs> no, different well, people don't see the world the way or, you do. Or everyone wants to sit and talk for two hours, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, my, all my eyes, my organization, I've had to do exactly what you said. I need to know what the point is. Just tell me what, you know, what you need. I, I got 15 meetings, you know, <laughs> what you want, you want to go have a beer after, after work, I'm there. But right now I need it, you know, in five words or less. Um, yeah. So yeah, I get that. Um, so the book is, is, is yeah, the, the book is lunch meat and life lessons. I want to make sure people uh, remember that if they can go check that out and pick up a copy, I'm sure it'll be full of great stories and a, and a really great book. Um, unfortunately we, the time has gone by so quickly and we need to get on to our next guest. But before we do that, how can people find out more about you, find out more about supplemental healthcare if they're interested in maybe applying for a job or, or uh, whether working there or uh, through the, the, the staffing mechanism as well to, to find their next career? What's the best way for them to do that? Um, well, our website, you can look at just, just Google supplemental healthcare and healthcare is two words or shccares.com, shccares.com. And, um, again, if anyone, you know, the best people come from referrals. So if anyone knows anyone who would like to be on a fabulous travel assignment or work in a, you know, in any kind of healthcare um, environment, we 
we're recruiting now for schools right now already for next year school nurses and and now we have so many allied skills so would love to have anybody you know come our way and then again the book's lunch meet and life lessons is about how to make meaningful connections and it's all stories there's no charts no graphs it's stories about how to make meaningful connections to perceive my dad so thank you chris so much for having me and um i hope that our paths will cross again and um, be sure and um, watch your mail because I've got a little comeback stuff coming your way as well. Fantastic. And Mary, uh, we'll definitely need to have you come back um, uh, in a, you know, later on, uh, maybe in the year or something, and we can keep this conversation going because we there's a lot of things we didn't get to that I think would be a lot of fun to, to go down the, that road. So, But thank you so much for giving your insights on leadership um, and, and talking about the book. And uh, we'll be right back after this quick commercial break, and we'll bring in my second guest, Cindy Ballard. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. If you missed my first guest, Mary B. Lucas, you can listen to her interview here in another week or two. Just uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or uh, you can listen on iHeartRadio. And when that episode gets posted, uh, you'll be the first to know. Uh, you can also follow us on uh, talenttalkradio.com, and I think you can subscribe to Podbean there. That's another way that you can get alerted to when new episodes are there and arrive. But, um, and, of course, we'd love to have you be a part of the conversation. Go to Twitter, follow at uh, PeopleG2, and then use that hashtag TalentTalk, and you can follow the live streaming of this, of this show and uh, other shows. And you can also give us your comments, your questions, your your likes, your feedback, whatever it may be. We'd love to hear from you and what you what what you're seeing, what you're liking, so we can help make our show uh, even better the next time. So, um, let's go ahead and bring in my uh, next guest. Uh, Cindy Ballard is the CHRO of ICM Partners, um, and so uh, Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Glad to be here. Uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself and, you know, uh, what's important for us to know about you, of course, and what your company does. Absolutely. So I've uh, started my career in uh, human resources many moons ago. I won't tell you the year. Um, but started my career really as a recruiter and really did the generalist route and worked my way up to my current position as CHRO. So um you know, didn't certainly get my degree in um, human resources, believe it or not. I had a marketing and, and fashion degree, um, but I've been doing it a long time and, and love what I do. And I'm currently now at ICM Partners, which is one of the largest talent and literary agencies uh, in the world and uh, located right here in Los Angeles. Well, fantastic. So um, what really kind of, uh, you know, maybe you could talk about what you do to specifically attract and retain talent, and it's kind of a 
becoming more and more important these days for clients as the, you know, the labor market is, seems to become thinner and thinner. But what are some of the top things that you're doing to really think about that retention factor and the attraction factor for ICM partners? Yeah, you know, I'll start a little bit about, I, I've been here, I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary, and although I have been in the entertainment business um, for a while, you know, coming to an agency was a first for me. And I think one of the things that ICM really needed to do, where I've been spending most of my time, is really understanding who we are, um, you know, owning that, being proud of it, and then, quite frankly, playing to those strengths and building up and working on those weaknesses. And I, I, I think of two words when I think about identifying who we are, and, and that's really being authentic and being transparent. And I think for an agency, that's, that's something quite new. And let me give you an example. We've, we've really spent 11 months, or I've spent 11 months looking at the type of talent I need to attract and, and retain. Um, agencies in general have um, very high turnover in their assistant ranks. You know, we don't have, although we have our back office functions, we don't, we really have agents and assistants. That's really the core of what the agency, the agency model is. And so for me, it's really, you know, if I look at the core values that have come out of the work that we've been doing, it's really understanding that talent in terms of, you know, we want to attract people who are very client-centric, who work in an extremely challenging and high-paced business. Um, we want someone who is thinking entrepreneurially. We want someone who is thinking creatively and, and about their clients and about, um, you know, how we make our clients' dreams come true. And so it, as I looked at that and I really spent those 11 months saying, who are we, that really shaped how we attracted and how we're retaining the talent, meaning how do we go to market and recruit and how are we proud of who we are and how do we map those um, values and traits uh, of someone who is successful here to that recruiting strategy. And so it really starts from everything to how we communicate socially, how we, what tools we use to recruit, what schools we go to. And so I, I think for me, it's, it's how we attract them, but more importantly, it's just being, being honest about who we are and what, what type of person we're looking for. Uh, again, and just being transparent about that. And obviously, those skills are rewarded um, in our employees as they come here in terms of, um, you know, everything from our, you know, our entrepreneurial uh, agent training program, um, you know, training and developing them once they get here. You know, the agency model is, is really interesting from the standpoint. It still is a apprenticeship for all intents and purposes. And, you know, that's a really old word. You know, everyone thinks of trades when you say that word. But when you come into an agency environment, specifically ours, we really are, are investing a very large amount of money, time, and resources over really a, probably a five- to six-year period to get you ready to be an agent. And so we got a reward around that. We got a reward around those steps. And so I guess for me, I just go back to being true, who, true to who you are and know who you are and then building that recruitment strategy and that retention strategy around around that. And I, I think many people, many companies, I should say, aren't always as authentic and transparent as I think I think we have we've now learned that we need to be over the last uh, year that I've been here. And, and how does your role now kind of differ from you know some of your past roles? You work with Fox and others and media companies, and you know I'm kind of wondering is you know do you feel like there's some synergies there, or do you feel like it's a is this a completely new challenge and a new you know uh, atmosphere for you? 
Yeah, you know, I think I think entertainment is a really fun and and do, do I dare say in this environment sexy business, right? I mean, it's about it's about we all get lost in movies and TV and podcasts and really the content business. And so I think the entertainment industry is still fun and exciting and, and something that we all love to do in terms of consuming media. I think where my roles have changed is, you know, Fox and Tronk were, were very large public companies. And what I find, and I think interestingly, what I love about ICM is I was spending my time at Tronk, um, quite frankly, um, you know, reporting to the board and doing presentations. And I was spending a lot of time managing up. And, and when you're a public company, you just you have a, a greater burden of doing that. When you come to a company like ICM, um, even though we're an organization with 600 employees and we're coming off the best year we've ever had and we're growing, we're growing year over year, what I would say about that is I can spend more time building and, and in this case, educating this company on HR. And so I feel like the impact that I'm making here is far greater because I have more time to, again, build, educate, um, and grow the HR competency here, whereas, um, you know, Fox, Fox and Trunk, which are big public companies, um, it, you're almost a little bit more like a cog in the wheel. And I, I wouldn't say that you could be as creative uh, as I can be here. I can, I, honestly, I can do more things and make mistakes here, and it's not as, as a big impact as it probably would have been at, at Tronk and Fox. Um, but, yeah, that's the, big, that's the big difference for me. I think I, I have a land of experimentation. I will also tell you I spend far less time, you know, fighting for or educating around why it's the right thing to do. I'm very, very fortunate in my uh, managing partner, Chris Silberman, who he fundamentally knows how HR can shape a business and the importance of it in a business in terms of, you know, my job at the end of the day is to, you know, drive financial performance through people. And he fundamentally believes that HR, you know, HR does that. And so I, I find myself, I have less, less time to, um, again, do the ROI and tell them why or we, why we should do this and why it's a good idea. I, I, I hear he knows that. So I spend more time creating and doing um, and, quite frankly, evolving, evolving the HR strategy here at the company, I would say, a lot quicker or more quickly. Yeah. And so do you find that, you know, I guess compared to, to what you were doing before, I mean, maybe there was more inherent roadblocks or obstacles and sort of dealing with some of those because kind of a unique form of governance, right? With shareholders and public boards and things like that. Um, you know, where those sort of have an impact on culture, have an impact on how you move and how you how you get things done. You, you know, are, are there are there kind of pros and cons to both, or is, do you kind of find one is more preferable to the other? Yeah, you know, listen, I think when you're with, you know, we're a mid-sized organization, right? And I think um, we can be much more agile. And if, you know, we can, again, experiment, we can try new things. And if it doesn't work, we can, you know, we can shift. But I, I will tell you, you're just more agile, and and you don't. There's less red tape. There's less, you know, just less of again the time spent to validate um, and make those arguments. I'm just really lucky that 
you know, this organization, I report directly to, I, I, I keep saying managing partner, and most organizations he would be, like, equal to the CEO. Um, we're just a partner structure here at the company. So um, I, I do think in a bigger organization, there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of, um, you know, obstacles or hurdles that you have to keep jumping over. Obviously, you have a, you know, shareholder value to, to think about when you're working with a board and how you, how you interact with that board overall. So I would just tell you, and this is why this role was so attractive to me, I'm coming off a place of ICM even though um, – you know, the company itself has been around since 1975, but we really re rebirthed, I say, or, or, you know, refreshed ourselves in 2012 when we became a partnership. And so under those circumstances, you know, I was, I, I'm really building something from nothing. And in those big organizations like Fox or Tronk uh, in a public company, um, you know, you just wouldn't get that, you wouldn't get that opportunity necessarily. I think I, I would lastly add that, you know, it's not all roses in that process. You know, I'm building something from scratch, and for a company who has, um, you know, it's funny, we have very tenured partners and agents at the company. Um, you know, our assistant population is, is obviously, you know, full of college graduates or young professionals that are just starting out their careers. And so as I come into it, it's very hard because I do have – a culture of those partners and agents who, one, didn't know HR, right? They didn't really know what it could do and what it is. And then that requires change. And when you come in an organization who's been operating the same way or without it, I think I spend a very large amount of my time managing through that change management and really educating them on why it's important and, and quite frankly, what's in it for them uh, as we get to the as we get to making the change, and so as much as I would say um, I love it here, you know, again, it it just goes back to the basic principle of you got to bring people along with you, and so I am spending time doing that more so maybe than I did at the bigger companies because they they knew what HR was. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, you know, it's really some big differences as people look at being in different types of companies uh, inside of their career. And it sounds like you've done a really good job of kind of navigating those different parameters, those different ways that you need to do that. Maybe you know, one of the things that you kind of talked a little bit about how you are, you know, looking at talent, um, you and bringing them in and attracting them and retaining them. Um, and, and transparency was one of the things that you talked about. Can you maybe kind of expand on, you know, what, how you guys really practice that? I, I call it a pillar of, of one of the, you know, kind of these seven things that I think the greatest cultures out there do. And one of them is transparency. That it's, that's mm-hmm. so, so important. So maybe you could expand a little bit on, on some of the things that you guys do to be transparent. Um, maybe, you know, once someone's in, inside the organization, they're now an employee. Well, what does that look like? Yeah, I think a couple things. I, I'm, I'm going to use, I'm going to touch on um, that in a way that we know, and I, 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 I want to be current, and I don't, I don't want to make this sound trite, but you know, right now the entertainment industry is is under the biggest change, at least from a people standpoint, that it's ever been under. You know, everything with everything from Me Too and Times Up, and um, you know, you know, ac- you know, parity and equity between gender, and so. I have to tell you, we were the first agency that publicly 
made a commitment, and this is part of our transparency, that we want to be part of the change that we know the entertainment business needs to have. And so the first thing we did, or I say we, and again, driven by, by Chris, my boss, is we have a, a commitment internally um, that's 50-50 by 2020. And so he publicly went out. He was the first um, agency to do so. And so we have a goal by 2020 to be 50% women um, in, in a couple different ways. You know, we look at our total population. Are we well balanced there? We look at our leadership, um, you know, roles. We have roughly 20 departments in the company. Are they either led or co-led by male and female? And so for us, um, that was really the first big um, outwardly and inwardly focused commitment to transparency in terms of, you know, reporting that to the organization. You know, our goal around diversity and inclusion is to, it's, it's a worldview. We, we know we need to look like and look like, act like, and feel like um, a, the world, how the world looks and feels and acts. And so that to us, we report back to our partners and we report um, on those numbers. And I'm proud to tell you that we've met you know, 50-50 goal in our employee population a year before that 2020 deadline, and we're well on our way and actually um, one department short of our, um, you know, female and male co-led leaders, leadership team with our department heads. So I think that's just one example of when we commit to something that we feel is so important, we share the results outwardly, we share the results inwardly, um, and we're now actually moving on to the diversity initiative. And for us internally, um, and I'll just give you a perfect example of how it would how it would relate to attracting and retaining talent. We um, we have a commitment to our new hire classes and to um, our agent training program that we have those same metrics. We know, for example, employee referrals in the entertainment business is one of the biggest programs we have to get talent. It's just it's it's something that's been around for decades. But we also know that if we continue to use a referral program that is just um, referring candidates by the current people in entertainment, um, we're not going to meet our goal. And so we have commitments around that referral program that we will only do a certain percent in that program and we will use our recruiting strategies out to our universities, and which, including, which includes diverse universities, um, to meet that goal. So I think it's taking a look at very old programs that were very um, not transparent and being transparent about it. We, we post every position internally. We, we, you know, we are very proud of our referrals and where they came from. And so it's just, it's simple things like that that seem so easy, um, but in the scheme of things haven't really been happening. So I guess just around that transparency question, you know, set your goals, communicate your goals, and be transparent about them. And by the way, whether you're going to, if you set a goal, whether you're going to meet it or not, obviously we all have aspirations to meet all our goals, but really the message is you got to communicate both and be transparent about both. Um, we're fortunate that so far we're, we're trending well on that goal. But if we weren't, we would have to talk about that and be transparent about that as well. Right. Uh, absolutely. You know, it, it, in sort of being transparent, I wonder if there's a, you find that there's common misconceptions, whether inside of your organization or outside from, you know, third parties of the outside world about, you know, what is what is the modern day or present day world of HR look like that you're dealing with? Well, it's funny that you say that. I think 
again, I, being at ICM, you know, just for in my first year, we we are very, very much still in our infancy. You know, they didn't, you know, I'm the first CHRO that they brought into the company. Um, I think they don't know what the modern HR is. And so, you know, having a very client, you know, it's funny, we're a client-centric business, but they, you know, they also need to see that I'm a client-centric HR organization, and I help them solve problems. Um, the way that they solve problems with all of their artists and clients and et cetera. So I don't, I don't know if my organization knows what a modern HR organization really is. I'm trying to get them to a point that they know that we're problem solvers and we're going to help them drive those results for the business through their people. So how do we bring the best out in their people? And how do we, again, you know, hire and, and retain those, those, uh, those employees who are top talent? I don't, I don't know what modern, I mean, I, I'll be honest, and I'm not sure I know what a modern viewpoint of HR is other than it's not personnel and it's not just getting someone <laughs> paid. But I right. think, uh, I know, right? Um, I mean, listen, I, I've been a business partner um, all my life to my clients, and I think if you're not that business partner and you're not solving problems, if you're not sitting and talking to your CEO about how you help solve those problems and do you have the right people to solve those problems and drive those results, then to me, um, that's, not, that's not a modern HR. Right, right. Well, we've, we've uh, uh, kind of had a lot of a really cool topics so far today on the show, and a couple of those things revolved around books. And uh, I'm wondering if there's a book that you're reading right now that you might share with us. Yeah, it's so funny. I have a book right in front of me right now, and it's called The Surprising Science of Meetings. Um, it's by Stephen Rogelberg, uh, and I think um, I'm trying to find a way to do less meetings and be more effective. And that's, I'm only on Chapter 2, so I wish I could give you a little bit more detail about it. But for me, it's really, again, around how do we, how do we maximize, you know, time is finite, right? And so how do we maximize and lead the best using the time the most wisely? So for me, I'm still trying to find the secret of how do I get more time or use, and use, that, use the time I have more effectively. You know, it's funny. It, it, this is like the car phenomenon if you've ever, like, suddenly – thought about maybe I should buy a white, I don't know, you know, Honda Acura. And then all of a sudden you start seeing Honda Acuras everywhere. The white ones, have you never noticed them before? They're suddenly everywhere because you're you become aware of this phenomenon. And so you bring up this book as is sort of that kind of, you know, scenario for me where I've been really looking at books and thinking about this sort of topic and I'm reading right now The Art of Gathering, which is you know, in many ways, very similar about, you know, how do you gather, how do you make meetings and uh, dinner parties and events and everything else that you do when you come together, more important, more effective, um, and worth everybody's time and that they might remember it, and they might, you know, get value out of it as opposed to, you know, being a complete waste of time or just, you know, a, 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 an event for everyone to hear themselves talk. Um, so that uh, sounds like a great book that might be really interesting to, to check out. That's really, really great. So how, how can people, uh, you know, get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about ICM Partners? Um, uh, maybe you guys have, you know, open rack, open jobs, things like that. What's the best way for them to learn more? We do. So um, obviously ICM Partners, we do have a, a website that all of the, the um, listeners can go to. Um, I always also, we have, our, you know, obviously our careers, which um, all they, they can access as well. 
Um, all of our, our positions are posted and are uh, available online. Um, obviously, we are very active on LinkedIn as well, so you can link to our LinkedIn page and find out a, a ton more about us on there. Um, and so I would say any of those, any of those three areas, you can, they can find me. And I, I'm also on LinkedIn personally, um, and so they can certainly link to me or find out more about me on LinkedIn. Well, perfect. Um, you know, you, you talked about a lot of great things today. Was there anything that you really hope someone would remember if they, you know, unfortunately got called off to a meeting or a phone call came in the middle and they only heard one thing? Is there something that you would really hope that they remembered from our conversation today? Yeah, I would say um, know who your company is, own it, be proud of it, and let that shape the way that you attract and retain talent. And it really should be the nucleus of how you do that. Well, Cindy, that's great advice. And I really appreciate you being on the show today. We've learned a lot. And hopefully we'll have you come back at some point and give us a, an update on all the cool things that you're doing. Thank you, Chris. It's just an honor and a pleasure. Thanks for having me today. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Hopefully you gained something you can use in your own career in a positive way. Uh, we'll not be having a live show next week because I will be speaking at an event uh, all day. Um, but don't forget, you can go to talenttalkradio.com anytime or iTunes or iHeartRadio. Get your fill. Uh, and we'll see you the week after next. Uh, until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2. 